What's up, y'all? We're back. This is episode three of the Think Tank podcast. This is Dominic Cusinelli, your host. I'm here with Leo Ryan, UCSD, new student, and Armano Mead, who is a computer science major at UCSD. Close. Yeah? Close. Similar. Okay, uh, where am Cox, I off? Uh, it's cognitive science, specialization in machine learning, and neurocomputation, and then minoring in computer science. Okay. So, so not majoring. So that sounds hectic as fuck. So explain to me what that means. Okay. <laughs> That's a uh, lot of shit. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's mainly supposed to be like focused on like AI, I guess. Like it's machine okay, learning. That's so machines learning and neural computation. So I guess mimicking how I guess, the brain, anything neural related, computates things. I mean, that's what our brain really is. It's a biochemical machine. So is it kind of like, what's the word? Like decomposing the way the brain works and thinking about how to bring that into machines almost? Or is that yeah. like kind of a stretch? Yeah. I mean, pretty much. I mean, the idea is to replicate processes of the brain that like think of how we um just how we just i guess kind of observe patterns and try and deduce like i don't know kind of like systems for whatever physics or chemistry i mean like when you know eventually somebody figured out what gravity was because they kept thinking seeing things fall there's a pattern they right. do some kind pattern of pattern recognition yeah i mean it's the same thing but like reduced to like how we think of it in our brains um like like in like a mind's eye, you know, okay. we don't know exactly how that translates to, okay, these are how the neurons are somehow working together to recognize that. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit like very, very complicated. I don't think technology is quite there yet, Okay. but it's still some kind of basic computation, just replicating it in a computer. Okay. And so somehow trying to create some artificial intelligence from that. That's the, the, okay. the goal yeah. of the major. And then the computer science side of it is just so like, I kind of pad that side a little bit more just because a lot of it's cog side classes. Right. And then the computer side of it, computer science side of it is probably, is for me more like being able to, I guess, get some experience with actually knowing how computers, the software of computers operate and how they, how to communicate with it and try to understand the background of it, I guess. I don't know. It's, I just yeah. switched into it. So okay. a lot okay. I don't know. Right. But, um, you know, I'm hopeful and so it's going to see where it goes. That's interesting. Cause I've always thought that like psychology and computer science should go together for AI, but I've never heard of it. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a cool thing. But, um, I know you're, well, first of all, I'll start with a hot take. All right. So, okay. so e- Elon is all fucking up on like, uh, saying that AI is going to overtake humanity and it's, <laughs> it sounds crazy. Do you, do yeah. you have input on like, do you think that this could happen? Do you have an estimate like when, like obviously you're just throwing some shit yeah. out there, but what are your thoughts? Um, my initial impression. <laughs> um, I don't know about overtake humanity. Like that's really something I just wouldn't know. I don't, I just wouldn't yeah, know. That's a how fair to like, answer. It's like it, it, totally possible. Like, I mean, as long as, I mean, like, as long as it's learning, it's going to be learning, 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 learning. You never know when it's going to stop. And at some yep. point, you never know when it starts getting, like, when it produces its own autonomy and starts operating according to its own interests, whatever that may be. Or, right. Or might not even need to go that far. It might just have some kind of goal that it carries out ruthlessly with some steps along the way that we did not anticipate so, like save the planet yeah. and then it goes like well humans are kind of shitty yeah, so let's yeah. kill them all off and I, it doesn't even need to like have a mind of its own to do that it's just like well you know here's the desired consequence and here's an, a very efficient and effective um kind of path of getting there and it turns out it might not be aligned with what we want yeah um, I've, I've thought about that because like you you want ai to find solutions that people wouldn't find but then, like, once you program the AI to have its own interests, that's yeah. where, like, maybe that solution isn't great for people. But that's – Yeah. It's probably a long way away. It, I would guess so. Again, I'm no expert, but – I'm um, not either. Yeah. 
But um, I mean, more, I guess, shorter term, which is still like, I would give it a long span considering how slow the progress of AI is probably. So short term, it might be just like 100 years regards to like the scope of AI advancing. Okay. You know, but that might get exponentially like shorter or whatever as, you know, AI starts to like, you know, right. get going, the snowball's going to get going. Could be like an exponential growth type yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but um, until then, like I probably AI is going to be taking jobs like I mean, think of all, not only, it's obvious that, That's like, already, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, it's, well, you can pay someone minimum wage, you can just buy something once, and then, like, you know, you just pay up front a bunch of cash for, like, a machine. Right. And then on top of that, you know, it's never late. There's, there's more importantly, like, less liability. Like, think of all the laws surrounding, like, sure. labor, like, just labor laws, I suppose. You totally subvert those or circumvent those things. It's true. Um, it's just, it's just very, having AI running like the lower side of things kind of like the the parts of your like i guess whatever you're marketing having it run the things that don't take very much like labor or skill that is very easily done by low level ai that we have mm-hmm. now is it's it's just very attractive to have because you avoid right. all of these other problems with like labor laws or having to, to deal with people because no one likes to deal with insurance people. yeah and more importantly like i mean like another one is well Everyone, like, I work front of house right now at, like, some, at a fast food place, right? Okay. And, you know, no, every manager is afraid of having a belligerent employee, you know? Right. I, mean, I could not imagine somebody getting so frustrated at a machine, you know, that they're like, you know, I felt very disrespected by this machine. So it's like, <laughs> right, like, right off the bat, you get a lot of problems out of the way with humans. A lot of culture clash is just instantly eliminated. Just, like, so much is gone, and it just it just makes total sense for, um, for if you can, if, if your company can afford it, just go in, just, even, even if it can't afford it, in the long run, it might be better off to, like, you know, take out some loans to, like, for small businesses, but you know what, I'm not going to deal with people and just have these things up front doing this stuff, and I can do the more important stuff that requires more finesse or more some, some kind of prowess that you need to have an actual human or, or whatever doing. Right. You know? But even then, like, do you see people hand-building cars anymore? Yeah. Or at least the parts. I don't know the right. specifics, but well, like, I can, it's all automation. Some, some of the things I see AI coming in on, the one that's really big right now is warehouses. Like, Amazon's big in on the automatic warehouses. Yeah. Some of the Chinese companies, which I follow a little bit, like JD.com and Alibaba, they have their warehouses, and those are all becoming automated. Mm-hmm. Shopify just spent $650 million for warehouse automation technology. Walmart's getting into that. And then from there, it's like... So, that I mean, like, think about it. So, if, if retail moves towards e-commerce, and then all the all the work being done for it in terms of organizing and, oh, and sending out product is now being done by machines in a warehouse. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's a big yeah. movement towards that. And then if self-driving cars, which Google's working on it with their, yeah. um, yeah, you remember what that's called? Google's self-driving unit. Fuck. I don't remember. Dude, JD's, it'll come JD. to me later. Oh yeah. JD, JD's, JD.com. That's a Chinese, um, e-commerce company that I'm personally invested in. And, um, Dude, every fucking dime they make goes into uh, like retail automation technology, whether that be robots that deliver directly to your house. Like, you know how Amazon has the lockers? Yeah. Where like you go in and type in a code. Well, mm-hmm. JD has that, but on fucking wheels, and it's automatic driving, so it'll go through the wow. sidewalks like a like a bicycle with lockers full of goods for people. Yeah. And they go and type in their code and get it at their door. Like, <laughs> dude, there's just it's, there's it's crazy stuff on there. Like, yeah. You know, and at first we're gonna be laughing at it, but at the end of the day, the goal is to have like that 
the, what you'd expect from a movie, you know? Yeah. And, like, right now it's very rudimentary, but, like, they want to get there. Because if they get there, Money. you know, it's going to be so much, you know? Like, they, yep. they can keep investing and they're going to hit so many failures along the way. Right. If they, if they, you know, once they hit some kind of success, it's going to be so successful, you know? Yeah. It's just worth all the investment they can get. And plus, these corporations are huge. What else are they going to invest in? Yeah, it's like, like, Google's got $110 billion sitting in their cash account right now. What else do they have to do with it? Like, yeah. they, there's nothing else that could even make a dent. <laughs> yeah, like, I, this, <laughs> it's crazy. This, this is a really funny example. It's a little bit off topic, but I, um, uh, Microsoft had just a shit ton of money. And yeah. they literally, they, and they made a purchase. And the reasoning for the purchase was because, well, having that money just sit there and do nothing, <laughs> what you do it. So they literally bought Minecraft. Like, <laughs> is that why they did that? Because, like, they're like, just like, fuck well, it. <laughs> Our money just staying here is going to be doing much of fuck it. We just might as well buy Minecraft. And they did exactly that. They bought like the whole thing. For, I think it was either these are the either 2 billion, 3 billion or 4 billion. And they bought it's it. Nuts. And like, I mean, to, to sit there and imagine like, wow, they had $4 billion just staying there. And it was better yeah, for them to just drop it all on this. Way more just, now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, it's just better for them to have just invested this money in the whatever because in the long yeah. run, you know? Just, just think there's a company with a trillion dollar market cap. It's insane. That would be Microsoft, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the amount of small technology startups that are being bought by like the big technology companies, whether it be Google, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, particularly yeah. Apple and Google, they go, they spend billions of dollars on all these like hundred million dollars small like technology yeah. startups and just try to take that and put that into their own services just like it's, i mean of course they're just i mean with with how hard it is to you know innovation is one thing but getting you know of all the all everyone who tries to be innovative you right. know, only a couple succeed so they have to just shock in it you know yeah at this go point, all like, in. what's the point of having their own just let like small business get like you know do their thing right. if they see some potential just fucking buy it out and go take the know? patents and the talent and go to work on your own shit yeah and, and I, it, you know it sounds a little bit scary but i think i think it's totally fine like you know it's scary to have oh okay we have like a you know the google conglomeration yeah or whatever all these conglomerates but at the end of the day you know they're just like they see potential and they're just throwing money at it, hoping yeah. it succeeds. Like I, it's probably it gets the it gets it done a lot quicker than if these businesses had to do it themselves. You know, maybe yeah. that's not maybe that's an optimistic view about it. Um, you know, well, I don't think it's inherently a, a bad thing at all. Yeah. It definitely speeds up the pace of innovation. And here's the thing: like, if a company's good enough, like, and they've made enough progress on something, they're not gonna accept to be bought out. Like, for example, Snapchat when it was rolling, like in the early days. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg went to their CEO, Evan Spiegel, the founder, mm. so many times and was like, dude, let me just fucking buy this and take over like they did with Instagram. And yeah. they, they didn't sell because they didn't need to because they were rolling. So like, yeah. there's going to be companies that come up. Amazon's huge. And now the big one that's coming up that didn't exist before is Shopify. And like, they're, yeah. they're coming up. Like, it's, competition's still going to find its way up. It just, you yeah. just need like the top top startups yeah. are going to be able and, to do it. It's only because like what that, what that's going to inspire from these, like these bigger corporations, if they don't get their way, well, I mean, we're also going to do with their money then say, okay, we'll give you this much more. We'll give you this much more. And they say they get bought out. Well, you know, now the money's at the disposal of somebody who knows what they're doing, you know, go start something like, new or you go to, or maybe, you know, yeah. he, he, that's maybe he like, while he sells like some of the rights of his, of his company, he could still work for it. You know, now this person has, knows what he's doing and now has all this money to back him up, you know, like what sense does it well, make? Well, mo most of the time when the company gets bought out, they lose the employees and the patents. So like you kind of have to go a different direction at that point because once you give up all the intellectual property, it's kind oh, okay. of like, I see. 
Because right. that's, that, I mean. But I could see some nuance. Like, if you see somebody, yeah. you know, spearheading, like, if I, if somebody saw someone spearheading Snapchat, and right. he's doing a great job, would it make much sense? Maybe, I have no idea. I'm asking, okay. like, would it make much sense to just buy the company and then kick everyone out that's brought it up this far, you know? And it would be a little bit bold for, you know, Mike could. No, um, but normally. Has, like, no idea. I mean, he. No matter, he can he can just see the success of Snapchat, but that doesn't mean he necessarily knows why it's being so successful. Right. Well, know? most of the time, part of the reason that these like smaller acquisition acquisitions come up is because the bigger company wants the talent within the smaller company. You okay. know. Yeah. So that's you like that's yeah, usually a big part of it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. So one one place you see talent leaving a lot. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, but one where I follow it a lot is like a lot of. There'll be people who are like high up in AI or self-driving or whatever, and they'll be working at a company and they'll leave and they'll just go start their own thing. Like, mm. and okay. it's, it's always, that's an interesting intellectual property battle because it's tough to say like how much they're taking from the other company. Because you yeah. know the process. What's up? You know the process. Yeah, like they, it's, it's like they're already ahead, but they're pulling it from mm. someone else. So that's always, always yeah. interesting. Well, I mean, that's just intellectual property rights just get so messy in general. It does. It's, already, it's just already such a mess. I, I have not fully decide whether or not I like them or not. Um, just the rights in general. Once, you know, it inspires innovation, but the, on the other hand, it's just kind of like, it can suppress in some other ways. Like, right. let's say you have this idea, you have this idea, you have the foundation of this amazing idea, and you withhold it from anyone. Yeah. You know? And then all of a sudden, there's all these other people who are knowledgeable about this, but can't do anything with this information. Um, because because of somebody else is blocking just, them from so, it. Yeah. You know, of course they could do okay, demand royalties from them, then at that point you're just sitting there with like a blueprint doing nothing with it but collecting royalties from everyone else who's doing all the work. Right. Nice. And at that point, you know <laughs> you like that <laughs> passive income. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's funny. That. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, it would be like at once like hilarious but also like hideous for someone to like find the cure for cancer and then just sit there with it like just the like you I'm know, not, I'm not moving this. Yeah, so someone not, offers me I'm enough not, money. I'm, yeah, yeah, and just do nothing with it, or better yet, be like, here, you can use this, but you're gonna, you're gonna have to owe me a bunch of money, you know, um, you know, not to mention like someone could come up with it on their own. Could you imagine if, um, who are, the, who are those people who developed calculus independently? Could you imagine them like one of them going like, okay, if anyone uses the, these these pieces of math, have to pay me royalties, and then That's there crazy. comes the other one and being like, I, I totally forgot their names. They you wanna look that up? I thought like didn't uh, was that just Isaac so, Newton had like I think Isaac yeah or? Isaac Newton was one of them. Um, so like, I remember where getting, like, this was like echoed in our classrooms <laughs> over and over and over, and I casually forgot them. Do you do you remember like how did that even start like the creation of calculus? Like that seems like a crazy concept just kind of fall on. Honestly, <laughs> I think like a lot of these. I mean, think of like. And this is like very, this is a huge generalization. I'm painting with a huge broad stroke right now. Okay. But a lot of these people who like invented. So, okay, one? real quick interjection Isaac Newton and Gottfried Wilhelm. You want to help me with this last name? It looks like Leibniz. Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz, yeah. Can you imagine Newton and Leibniz just going at it with, okay, you know, like. A patent. We, you guys can't use this. Yeah, you I can't use calculus. That. How, like, that, it's just ridiculous. But I hear you. Um, that's, that's, I guess that's a big extreme because calculus is just like so. It, everyone needs it for so many things. But at the same time, like who's anyone to say like so, let's say some fragment of the cure for cancer is just is very versatile in some way, uh-huh. and everyone wants to use it. And the, here's you know this person, is, the Isaac Newton of today, being yeah. like, no, you can't use that. So yeah. I don't I don't want to stri- like fall too far into patent law because I really like 
no, yeah. almost nothing. But yeah, I, right. I do feel like you have to be really specific in your patent and the application of it. Like it really comes down to technicality. So I don't think yeah. like you can invent calculus and then get a broad yeah. coverage. It would be like, you know, whatever whatever you're patenting, you can get like this really narrow yeah. if protection. I, if I basically. had to guess alongside that, um, would also, I wouldn't be surprised because I don't know anything about patent law right now, but I would not be surprised if um, a lot of patent law right now requires you to be also be doing something with the things you patent. Otherwise, you have to forfeit your patent. You know, mm-hmm. otherwise people would be just patenting. Right I don't. I don't think patent. that exists though, because I, a lot of big like, companies will, like, dude. I think that's surprising. Do you have, do you have I, I, any idea here? I think IBM may have had the most patents in the last year or like twenty. Like they're just shotgunning a bunch of patents. Yeah, and, and like and then doing nothing. Big with companies them. Like, will get a so thousand ridiculous. patents, and like some of them, there's no technology that goes with them that ever seems sees the light of day. Like yeah. that's actually a big thing. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds. See, that's that's so stupid to me. Like we're not actually doing anything with it. I think there's just a bunch of loopholes for that too. Yeah, it's all kind of crazy stuff. I mean, that's yeah, you speak. Oh yeah, we're we're trading something. Like yeah, yeah. It's just crazy. I I feel like the amount of money that goes into the legal teams of these big companies is just insane for so many reasons. But patent law is a big one. Yeah, or just any kind of law. Like yeah, yeah. I mentioned this before earlier today. Uh, pretty much. Anywhere that the law gets involved, corporations are going to be spending heavy money on lawyers, heavy right. money on lawyers to um, be able to circumvent it or subvert it or do whatever they can to like maximize their profits, you know. And yeah. it's and it's totally reasonable. Like what? That's, I mean, the you that's your that's your only way to combat the influence of the government in a negative way is through that system, and through that system is through lawyers. So of right. course they're going to be pouring a bunch of money. Like why do corporate lawyers make so much? Because they're in high demand. Everyone. Yeah. You know, um, every corporation wants a, a very strong defense against the government because, well, if you fuck if you fuck up in the government's eyes, they can come at you with it. You know, their entire arsenal for us and take what, and do whatever they want. You know. So you um, think it's there's two components basically. Then there's like the component of you know if I could save two dollars on tax and pay one dollar to a lawyer, that's great. But then there's also a component of like I want to be protected from the government interfering with my general business model. Yeah, like you could just like. Yeah, I mean, at some point, the more you spend on lawyers, the less you spend on taxes, I guess, or or just having to deal with the government. Less you spend on lawyers, the more you spend on dealing with the government, and finding that balance. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, as big as these corporations are, they don't have like I mean, maybe they do, but they don't have a, they don't have a hundred thousand lawyers. You know, at some point, I mean, they might. Like it depends. It depends on what kind. Um, I would guarantee you with all the shit going on with Google with like... It probably... I, I would not be surprised yeah. if they had like a thousand... Dude, Google... Do, I, would, I would bet money Google's got over 100,000 lawyers on <laughs> Sure. Because that's I, like... Fair, fair. The amount of money there. There's, it's like a $700 billion company and then yeah, they but, have controversy with YouTube. They have yeah. controversy with self-driving cars. And, oh, I see. And oh, countless okay. other things. And then... And then they have different like subject fields. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. they're everywhere. They're, they want to save money on taxes. Yeah. The amount of industries that Google's in... Yeah, I, I think would, it's, I'm gonna look this up. Real it's, I think it up right now. Please do. There's like 30 divisions. It's insane. What I neglected is like how many industries that they're involved in. Every industry is gonna like it's gonna be another set of lawyers and another yeah. set of lawyers. So no, you, you might be you're probably right on that. I'm just I'm not. I'm just sure. gonna go off the top of my head on what I think Google's in just for fun. I think they're in search. Well, I know they're in search. Uh, they're in search. They're in like personal assistance, like the AI stuff. They're in self-driving. They're entering gaming. They're in YouTube. You know, better yet, like what? Would, do they have a reason not to get into any, like anything and everything? Like when you have this much yeah. money, you're looking at okay, 
what well, what do what kind of like industry do I see booming? Right. And I'm gonna now step my foot in this. Just yeah. For the, like what reason? Like it's no longer like oh this is my industry and I stay within those bounds. Right. Money is money. Money is versatile. Money can. You and know, technology is versatile too. I mean that too. So it's just you might as well go into everything, you know? So here's here's what I think is the fallback of companies that just spread everywhere and try to do everything. It's like you risk becoming overly bureaucratic, right? Because mm-hmm. you have your one CEO at the top yeah. and ideally you want like a team like one guy or a small team at the top to really like you were talking about earlier today like understand everything that's going on below them yeah. so you have like strong decision making from people who yeah. really know what's up and now like when you have the same guy doing you have the same company that's trying to do like futuristic medicine and like the other thing they have is like they have like ai blimps that are supposed to bring internet to random people yeah. in places that are underserved and then they have like youtube and search and mm-hmm. self-driving and it's like the guy at the top or even the five guys at the top aren't really qualified no, to make decisions not. on all those things. So now you need some sort of bureaucratic structure to like divide the decision making. And that always worries me because most companies that come up, especially in tech, they do it because they have a central leader who just really knows what the fuck is going on yeah. and executes well. At least that's how I see it. Yeah. So I'd imagine like, I mean, I'm sure we could just search this up. So I don't know if it's worth discussing too much, but I, I, I just imagine like, these people at the very top, or the ones who are successful are smart enough to be able to know that they're disconnected from the industry. They're there to just provide the money and they give autonomy to people who actually know what they're doing sure. to just do their thing, you know? Yeah, it's and tough. I, yeah. I can imagine, yeah. you know, I mean, it's the more when, obviously there is that big disconnect, you know? If Google wants to get involved with, it, with an industry that's totally like extraterrestrial to them, it, there's no way the higher ups can be making decisions for that industry other than trying to identify who is able to successfully navigate this industry and be right, giving them right. enough money to be able to and navigate enough autonomy, for them. obviously. Yeah. yeah, and then all they have to do is prove that their business is successful, and they have to prove it's you know, I guess it's that whole like and they, corporate board relationship. They prove do, to us you're making profits. They and do do that do. in a sense, like so they have they have the structure to where there's the Google business, which is like search and related things, and then they have separate companies under the holding company of Alphabet, where it's like separate so yeah it's like you like you're saying it's like they put someone in charge who they think can handle it and you know and then they get yeah. evaluated and if they can handle it they stay yeah i yeah. just i i personally look i personally think the companies that do best are the ones with people who are really self-invested like yeah. really care about it deeply on a personal level and i think that gets tricky as you spread it out more and more but it yeah. absolutely can be done and like you said, autonomy would be a big part of that. Yeah, but no, you're right. Like, the, I guess those are the downfalls of like any kind of bureaucracy. Along the way, you have miscommunications or or a lack of specialization from like like up to down or down to up in regards to decision making. You know, like it to- could be totally possible that someone below their upper management as actually understands like any circumstance better. But obviously, they can't be the ones to be able to like, make those decisions. Other than they can just do their best to convince. The higher ups that this is the right path right. to take, you know. I'm not so really finding anything. Okay, that's fine. The only thing I've seen is that is this about Google? Yeah, the average Google lawyer they have over two thousand currently, and that's like not including their associates. Only two thousand? 
And well, that's not including their associates okay. below them. That's just like the lawyers that like go to trial for them and stuff okay. around the world. That's and still they, a lot. Like, that yeah. is a lot. My number like, is way off. I suppose, like, I mean, no, but still. It's like, tough to say. Yeah. Imagine, like, even if it's, they don't need, maybe, maybe at most, maybe th- three lawyers per industry they're in. Because obviously at that point, I don't know. I think it's higher. I, think it's, I, I mean, you think. Especially, it's, like, YouTube, where there's just so many things coming up. I guess it depends on the industry. But at the same time, like, once you have a lawyer that understands every part of the law, yeah, like, as much as complex as the law is, it is finite. You know? Yeah. If you have one person who. I would love some. Thank you so much. Um, if you find one person that knows it all and knows it all very well, it's not like you need a second one to like. Yeah. It could be helpful, but like. Right. Know, there is, I guess. I don't think I know. Out. I don't know well enough to say. I wouldn't know either. Yeah. Those are my impressions. That's tough to say. I I agree though. I just think um, they, they have a bunch of associates under them as well though, like on cases. I think the yeah. point is like 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 we've been saying. There's just this complex legal structure that comes into play with these big companies. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just crazy how invested. I mean, it's just it's crazy, but understandable how invested they are in dealing yeah. with law. I mean, yeah. Yeah, they um, have to. Going back to AI, like I wonder how like property right, like intellectual property rights, going to go on to that. Like, it's crazy. imagine yeah. like different like operating like ways to like, I guess like operating systems for AI and people patenting that. Do you know if that exists? Like different types of operating systems or like different. Well, I mean, I, in a very like. I mean, we're talking about, I'm talking about like the tool sets and you already have okay. that in some sense when it comes to like video game engines, like mm-hmm. um, you have, for example, the Unreal Engine that's owned by Epic Games. A lot of big companies, AAA companies use this engine and pay royalties to okay. um, so, uh, um, the companies called Epic Games, um, well, notably um, owning Fortnite, but they, yeah, they, yeah. they make a, they make a, I mean, they definitely make a lot of money off of Fortnite, but they, Definitely make a lot of money off of just getting royalties from their engine. What's that 100%. called? What's the engine called? Do you know? Unreal Engine. Unreal it Engine. Is, so, is, what is it about Unreal Engine that makes it like so necessary for other companies well, or so just, desirable? It's very efficient. It's very effective. It's very optimized. I'm not. I'm not that big in computer science, but um, I, I, I do intend to learn more. But from my impression is, I mean, they have just invested. It's like having a tool set for mm. creating games, and and they have just. The engine itself, like in game engines, are basically tool sets. Like they already have a bunch of, they already have a bunch of coding already done. Kind in the of, background. kind of like a Photoshop, where these these tools already like available for you while you're creating the game. Is that a good comparison? Um, or no? like they already have like, they already have like things you can do. Like if you want this like model of something, you can create it very easily. It's, okay. It's already, okay. So yeah, tool sets of. already granted. Not only tool set and like. Things you want in your game's physical space, mm-hmm. but also tool set in terms of your coding. Like, okay. um, with my limited um, um, coding experience, very, very limited, uh, I'm trying to think of some examples I can bring. But you have, I, I guess you have like, I guess I have very limited coding experience. I can't okay. think of anything okay. off the bat, but you can like categorize different things and have them interact in different ways. Like, translating lines of code into interactions, real time interactions inside of your game. Or, or just other types of mechanics and how they interact with you one another is all lines of code. And you have to usually do this all yourself, but if you have like a very efficient, organized background of it where you can like invoke certain lines of code and they immediately know like, oh, this is what this line of code is and immediately mm-hmm. goes to doing this thing in game or, or somehow interacting with some other piece of code. There's just all this background stuff already done for you and you just produce your game off of the existing stuff. 
And so there's like a, like a strong infrastructure already built out for putting the game yeah, on the top. Yeah, it's of. like it's like you've already been given a foundation and a bunch of tools, and that foundation and bunch of tools is a bunch of code that's already done for you, and then you just have to script from there and and use your imagination from there. Like, um, I I could just go on a list right now of how many games that. Yeah, just, I'd be curious. I, I'm like I. Like, it's interesting. See, which games mm -hmm. use Unreal Engine? I mean, it sounds like it's the type of thing to where the resources you'd have to put into building a game from scratch are so much more than just yeah. paying the royalty. Mm -hmm. Especially when this engine is just, it can it already has the code done for being able to do so many things, especially with like graphics and lighting. That's mm -hmm. a whole other thing. I was going to say like the, the physical world's probably already yeah. mapped out, like all the all the code that's needed to have the physics and the shadows yeah, and the other physics, shit already correct. This, I think that sometimes there's engines separate for just for graphics, but um, that's crazy. Anyway, so like they keep updating this thing too. To, okay. You know, and um, I think the current, it current, sounds a lot like Photoshop for video games because Photoshop is something I know a little bit more about where it's yeah. just like, there's tools. You could draw some analogy like that. Yeah. 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 yeah just yeah, cause I need to, one is like so much more complex than the other. I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, um, let me think. Okay. I have this up of which ones use unreal engine for, um, a lot of these games are like not very familiar. Okay, here's one Ark Survival Evolved. That's familiar to me. Again, I'm very familiar with. Right, you can you can speak a lot more on gaming yeah. and the gaming industry and what's going on there than I can. Yeah, here the Ark. I just I just stick to my sports oh, games. I don't you know, play those yeah. much. Speaking <laughs> of the game that came out today, Borderlands Three runs on the Unreal Engine. Okay. Four. Um, it came out today. Yeah, it came out today. Yeah. Um, let me see. There is a lot remind me of the guys from Mad Max. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, yeah the the oh force Fortnite because they own it but um, see Gears of War that's a that's a big franchise. Um, Gears of War I haven't had that game in a while. Yeah, just looking through these, a, a lot of other big companies have their own engine as well. Mm -hmm. Mortal Kombat or the mobile version at least. Oh, that's interesting. I know you can do it mobile. Um, NBA 2K? No way. I think so. Hey. <laughs> do you ever see, like, I mean, when it comes up, do you ever see, like, Unreal Engine pop up on the screen? That's usually a... No, but, like, I would never even think to look for it, so yeah. I don't think I'd notice it. I reckon, yeah. is Treyarch one? Tre oh, Treyarch's a development team for Call of Duty. Oh, I think Call of Duty uses... That's, that's on there, on Duty. 2K. I think Call of Duty uses yeah, Unreal. Bad, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm trying to think what pops up for the game. Okay, starts. no. Yeah, yeah. Okay, they use their own engine. Sometimes they like use their own engine. Other times they just borrow existing engines. Um, this one's hilarious. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds using Unreal because you know when it comes. To, this is interesting because when it comes to like intellectual property rights, you know this big, this whole like thing with battle royale games has been like exploding. Yeah. And obviously there's this there's this guy who when it started with um this game called Arma Four and someone who was modding for the game and made. Um, uh, like his own modification of the game that was basically Battle Royale. Eventually, he started, he broke off and got help with, um, I think, some kind of foreign company to make his own. They called it Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. It was like the first Battle Royale game played on PC. Very poorly, like, not, it wasn't that great. No, it was, from what I understand, it was good, but it could have been better. And then, and then Fortnite comes out right after, and they just dominated. They just, just dominate. Like, yeah. They have a very talented team. They know what they're doing, and they own and best. They not only, I mean, they own it, so they obviously know how to navigate and operate their engine the very best. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, at some point, Battle Player Unknown Battlegrounds comes back and tries to sue um, Fortnite for like taking their idea. And it's funny because uh -huh. you, you have Player Unknown Battleground, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, 
actually uses the Unreal Engine. That so they, <laughs> so they, took, they took the engine from Epic Games, and then yeah. Epic Games made a similar game on their own engine. And <laughs> that's like, funny. And then they're trying to, like, so there's, there's that. that that's yeah. hectic as hell. <laughs> it's all over the place. irony in there, for sure. Okay. Dude, Battle you know, Royale is such a great concept, though. Yeah, it is. Like, you know? Like Hunger Games. I mean, awesome. yeah. I, I, mean, think like, I think there was an original movie before the 2000s that was, like, just called Battle Royale or something like that. I think yeah, it was, yeah. like, Japanese. It's some I think it was Asian or something in terms of like such a great concept as, as far it's as so the simple. games go it's like just the fact that you can blend like social on such a big scale with the gaming I feel like like yeah. would you say that's accurate like just the fact you can be social with so many people at once while playing I mean I guess not I don't really. know I don't know I don't know what the what's so I understand people love competition I guess they just push okay. to the extreme maybe it's because people haven't had this like flavor of game in a long time. Okay. But it's undeniable that like there is there's a huge dopamine rush for winning like a, like a four nine game. It's a whole a different of, thing. I mean it's yeah. not like you've won as a team. Like Call of Duty, oh you win as a team or or whatever, but you you beat a hundred people. Yeah. You know? Okay. You have yeah. beat, you win you fucking you dominate. <laughs> like dude so, there's yeah. times where I've won I just start running. Like, yeah, just flipping the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. like I've won, I've won 34 times. Like I yeah. know my number. And it's I've like played it, like over a thousand no. times. Yeah, it yeah. is like by no that's means. It is by by no means a small victory if you win, you know. And that's what's so important about it, um, dude. The big Fortnite players these days are making millions of dollars. That's so like, won like three mil. I know. So like, if you're good at Fortnite. I don't know. Maybe drop out of school and fucking practice your Fortnite all day. Like, it's just so esports. Esports is gonna it's be gonna, big. It's already big, but it's yeah. gonna be fucking. I'm thinking right monstrous. now, like a lot of cables having. I was talking about this with my dad earlier. Cables having, uh, AT and T is having problems because like people don't really watch. I don't think people watch cable. Very oh, much cable's now. dying. Yeah. cable's dying. I mean, what is people having a rough time? They are. Yeah. People are like want it's streaming, but like specifically, what are kids doing these days? They're gaming on their phones, and cell watching phones. Gaming, you know. Yeah. I mean, like social it, media too. It, uh, esports can be hitting like everyone. Like if people are, have a TV, they're probably gonna be watching esports. Like I, I imagine like all these kids are no longer watching Cartoon Network. They're watching streamers playing games that they play. And do they have like a? Of course, like if they're not watching it, they're probably playing the game. And like not only you know what is what is the strong points of gaming compared to TV? It's like. It's just a multi multifaceted media in a way that TV isn't. It's you're engaged in the game. You're actively directing and controlling the environment mm-hmm. or whatever. You're in there, and there's a social aspect to it. You you are you can do so at the convenience of your own home, and you're with your friends. You like with your friends. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It you're is just it, you know like video gaming is just blowing. Just watching TV out the water. You know like. It's- it, yeah, it kind of it kind of follows this pattern that I see that like basically anything that you think you might be able to do on the internet, you're going to be able to do on the internet and then things you think that are impossible to do on the internet or from the comfort of your home, we're probably going to eventually get there and it's mm-hmm. like you can just get this like hands-on entertainment and hang out with your friends all together mm-hmm. from your fucking couch and like that I mean that would be such a foreign concept 20 years ago, maybe even 10. Yeah. Like what's the time scale on the the online gaming where it's like also has a real social component like 10 years ago yeah um i don't i think it was the the systems following the ps the ps playstation 3 Once and I PS3. The xbox 360 were yeah. the first to introduce a social component and that was clearly a huge success because mm-hmm. that was like i mean it's all about being able to make the experience cooperative since then i mean it came to the point where some companies were just like 
saw like saw the success of like online social interaction that they totally neglected single player that's experiences. Smart. I think it was, that's smart. It wasn't it was in some sense smart because the single player games are still doing very well, but they're it's it's uh-huh. very you can kind of see like the the concept of the division of labor really setting in here. Like the last call like the Call of Duty franchise is huge. But mm. The um the probably their best their strongest developer Treyarch their last um game Black Ops Four did not have a campaign they they totally cut off a single player component to it because they knew their their focus and their strength of their game was the co op experience not was the was the online experience and they did a battle royale yeah of course it was that's the success that's been successful of course they're gonna throw money in and see what happens so real quick for anyone listening who might not know like we're probably a little late on the battle royale to explain what it is but what what's campaign in call of duty i mean campaign is the single player experience okay and they like a story to, mode yeah and okay. in black ops 3 they tried to make it cooperative they did they did they did do it and it's just like that's not why people are playing that game right so they kind so, of left it behind because like that's you don't buy yeah, a call of duty to play yeah, it by there, yourself there's multiple instances of people saying like okay Single player games are dead, and it was, and it's not true. It's just like if people want to play an online game, like understand your consumer base, you know, okay. and that's what they did. But it's a mistake to think single player games are dying. Like obviously, everyone is looking is going to be playing the next Elder Scrolls game, you know, like okay. or the, people who people who are somewhat familiar with um, Skyrim was the last um, entry of the franchise. But um, um, where was I going to go with this? So single player games are still huge, but okay. it's undeniable that the you think there's like a flow to are very it. Attractive. Do you think there's like a flow to it where like the single player mode is kind of on a decline now, but it's eventually going to come back up, or do you just feel like it it's didn't really there. go anywhere? No, it, no it's it's always going to be there. It's just that there's just been like a division of kind of a division of labor kind of thing going. Okay. Games that are want to do single player are totally dedicated to single player. Oh, I see what you're saying. But if a game okay. is going to be an online cooperative thing, they're not going to try. There is no jack of all trades. So do what you do yeah, and do yeah. it really fucking good. So online's yeah. become too important to try to do like yeah. single player and then throw an online in there or do online and throw a single player in there. It's yeah, like they're both. Yeah. I see. I mean, okay. the, all the previous Call of Duties have been pretty much that. Like they haven't cared too much about the campaign. Um, the last good campaign was arguably back before the the next the current generation of systems like Modern um, Warfare Two or Three or even Black Ops Two. This yeah. was like I mean those Black aren't Ops 2 on was lit. yeah yeah Vietnam and those I mean those that was fucking crazy man. <laughs> yeah these 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 games weren't on the next generation of systems and if you ask people like when was my when was the last good Call of Duty campaign they will all say that well that was you know in the old times and it, like. That, and that was before PS4s and Xbox Ones. Um, mm, okay. That was yeah. the last campaign I ever played. It was Black Ops 2. Yeah. And I played Modern Warfare 2 campaign like three or four times. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's become... I mean, what's interesting now is the next Call of Duty coming out is um, going trying to go back to their roots. Cause, because this development team, they're, they're cycling between them, the publisher is. Um, they're doing what? I'm sorry. They're cycling between different development teams for okay, just to kind of make the games all a little like have a different flavor to different, them. Yeah, they all like um, Treyarch has been known for their zombies. Modern Warfare is known for their campaigns, but now uh, I'm sorry, Infinity Ward. And now Infinity Ward has been kind of falling off um, because of I don't know for whatever reason. And now they're going back to their roots. The next Call of Duty game is literally called Modern Warfare, and they're going back to they're reintroducing old ca- old characters. They're really trying to like 
Bring They're really just trying to tug at um, nostalgia and Dude, what succeeded big. in yeah. like in like their previous campaigns. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I know they have a open beta going on right now for two days. Um, there's been a lot of positive feedback, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of the you kind of see a cycle of innovation there. You saw Call of Duty go mm. into like a more futuristic setting. At first it was engaging, like, wow, this is really cool. It was, it was new, it was exciting. They quickly got, and then they, re, they got sick of it and they wanted to go back to the old roots. Okay. And then it would not, and then at some, because you know, it was pushed by people who were like, Call of Duty is the same game over and over. Yeah. Like people will yeah. actually forget, like people That's why they had to, to change. That. Yeah, yeah. They, it was, it was the consumers thinking they wanted something new and it was cool at first. And then they, maybe it was just like, they ran out of wars, man. <laughs> dude, World War Two, the World of War was lit, dude. There's nothing like killing Nazis, honestly. Like it's fucking. <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't know. Like uh, they did, they they did the futuristic, and then it's like then they went super futuristic. And yeah. It's like, but I guess they're just trying to balance. Like I mean, the best they can do is look at consumer feedback. Yeah. And the consumers were the ones who like Call of Duty is the same shit. Like in a way, Sledgehammer Games that first tried to do. Um, all this like flying around stuff mm-hmm. and jumping around stuff and it was received positively at first um, but yeah nostalgia yeah. is a big thing I've heard Gary Vee talk about that yeah Gary Vee is my guy so the, the yeah. biggest the biggest place where I see nostalgia play is do you ever hear a song that you haven't heard one time since like third grade and you hear it and you're just so happy yeah I have I have that so much. Jason well, not so Derulo. much, but when I find it, yeah. oh dude, yeah, when you hear it, it's like holy oh, shit. Like I mean, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have that a little bit with because I was never into music very much, but I remember having Guitar Hero on Wii, and there's a bunch of <laughs> yes, there's a bunch of these like big songs I never heard of before. <laughs> like, and I was super ignorant about music. I, I've since learned, but <laughs> yeah. I like, and then I hear these songs come on, and I'm like, I'm instantly like, I love this song, or mm-hmm. anything associated to it. It's like, it's very psychological. Like, it was, yeah. there's this one song that's like, I, I hear it's overplayed, um, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, right? Yeah. And like, <gasps> Sleep. I've heard that song <laughs> so many <laughs> times. <laughs> so, I heard this like, back when I was a kid playing Guitar Hero, <laughs> and like, every time, and then like, I would hear it. And I know I don't know what who the Beastie Boys were at the time, <laughs> which is like, well, I wasn't very invested into music, I suppose. Yeah. But like, and then I hear it, I hear it, I'm like, oh fuck, so I was a fucking banger. And then like people look at me like, dude, what's wrong? What do you mean? Like, the song is dead now. But um, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, that nostalgia, not in, accompanied with that, is being deprived of it for a while. You know, like right. Yeah, that's where I hear. There's a lot of songs that I just, you know, didn't really hear that often. But at the time, it was just the nostalgia. I enjoyed it a long time ago. I've been deprived of it, and it comes back again. And for that reason, maybe this new Call of Duty is going to be so successful. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise me. So, how long has it been since they were in that like more traditional setting? What's what's the years at this point? Oh, um, that's a good question. Um, I'm thinking literally. Switch up when Black Ops 2 was released. Um, Let's see. I'm checking out. By the way, we got 18 minutes left. That that first 42 flew by, if you ask me. Yeah. November 13th, 2012. So our recording kind of cut off. I'm just trying to pick this back up. Right. So we left off at like video games, I suppose. Oh, we were were talking the last... Oh, nostalgia. The power of nostalgia. Nostalgia and the last Call of Duty that was like... Yeah. In the in the more 
So wait, remind me again. What was the more traditional Call of Duty format? Because like it was just it more just... modern times. Okay, so um, it was like modern. Yeah. Like last hundred years, it wasn't like the futuristic concepts, and then a lot more single player. Yeah, it was. It was more single. Pl- I mean, like people kept playing it for the um, online experience. That was the that was the replay value was from the online experience. Okay. But um, at the time, people were like, they loved. I mean, video gaming earlier on was the single player experience. I mean, as you'd expect right. when the online experience was very, was coming out. Really. I mean, you need a certain amount of data centers to be like really well developed to be able to play video games online. You know? Yeah. You need, like, cause you need to move. You need to have a lot of data flowing to be able to get two people within mm-hmm. the same world on a video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your system, man, has to be insane. What's up? Your systems have to be just insane. Yeah. I wonder yeah, how I mean, much that runs on AWS. But anyway, that's a different topic. Yeah. But, um, I have no idea. I think a lot, honestly. I think a lot. I know back in the day, it was kind of crazy because, like, in Modern Warfare 2, on the bottom, it had it kept every single stat. It was like, oh, one trillion shots have been fired today. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, it's just like, it was crazy. Yeah, but, like, each yeah. game was like a different war, and then, like, like World of War was World War 2. Okay. Then, like, yeah. Modern Warfare, like, Afghanistan. Well, what was actually pretty funny is at some point, um, uh, one of the Call of Duties, they went super back in time to World War One or mm-hmm. World War Two, and and um, their competitor, um, that um, the company called uh, Dice, I believe, or maybe that's their engine. I don't know Dice, or owned by Electronic Arts. Um, they also did the same, and they went super back. And I think they went to World War One, was Call of Duty went to World War Two, trying like you know, oh, everyone wants old stuff, and people enjoyed it, but I don't think that held on very long. Mm. Um, from what I understand, but, um, yeah, that's that. But regardless, um, going back to like, I guess the general kind of theme of all this is like technology is like big and technology is the future and kind of going back to like AI, um, what kind of avenues do you think are going to open up with AI that are maybe unexpected? Unexpected. Like there's a lot we can predict. Unexpected. I can say if you you want to see, well, if you want to say in the next five years, I really think we're trending to where, like, for practical reasons, you won't have to leave your house. Yeah. Like, this isn't even just AI, but, I like... I think we're already at that point. I mean, we're pretty close. Like, grocery delivery is going to be a thing. It already is getting there. That's really can, close. You but like, food delivered to your house. You can get food yeah. delivered. But once it's, like, a full set of groceries now, we're, like... Mm-hmm. And it's, like, at a price point. Like, if, if there was an Amazon Prime for grocery deliveries, once that takes off, it's, like... No one's gonna leave their house right. for food oh, unless unless you're the one getting food for someone else, you know? Yeah. But like even like live events, like if we get AR VR up to a point where it's like mm-hmm. first of all, comfortable. Yeah. Like so it doesn't feel all bulky. But then like an, an experience where it can be social with other people. Like you yeah. could have like That's quote be- live events on your headsets. I mean, I don't know how much AI that's that is. A, that's but. such a big task to undertake. Oh, it's I don't huge. Know, that, it's that huge. would be like very, very Yeah, fun. yeah, But absolutely. the grocery one, I think is interesting. I think the grocery one's coming. Because like imagine like what, I mean, what's making, I think it's it's still somewhat expensive to have it done, but imagine if they have like AI cars that all these companies are investing in. Now these things, you know, you're not bound by like, you know, labor laws again. And these things, well, and that it's gonna drop the it's gonna drop the prices, the pricing for having these things delivered to you. 100%. I'll tell you when it's when it's gonna be just completely taking over is gonna be when the automated warehouses are strong enough that they can do stuff like that with groceries. Yeah. So like they can sort through the products and get them onto trucks, and then there can be some self driving yeah. and self delivery component where it's just all automated and like at least to do all of that right. 
that could take a long time. That might be a more futuristic thing. But there's gonna, I mean, yeah, the shit. Even Uber are gonna be like so big that's gonna be worth investing. Yeah, and and the like ride sharing becomes massively different when they're self driving. Because mm-hmm. if you get like te- Tesla, what they're saying they can do, and they say they can do it in a year, which I'm not a, I'm not an expert here, but I can tell you all that's complete bullshit. But <laughs> but nonetheless, if you can have a self-driving car that's extremely durable that can drive for a really long time before breaking down, which is what Elon says they can do. What well, was it like a hundred thousand? They said miles? they said they said it could drive a million oh, miles million before miles. like major yeah. repairs are going to be needed on average, which I think is insane. But yeah. but if you could do that's self-driving insane. that runs on electricity, a car that runs on electricity, and cars that are like not really breaking down, all of a sudden the cost per mile of ride sharing could get so low that like car ownership could be irrelevant and then yeah, you play off of that true. and then you can get really cheap delivery and now all of a sudden you can get everything brought to your house yeah and it's like well it becomes more expensive to go out and get stuff what do you mean like it'd be more expensive to like go get groceries when you can just have them delivered and like not have to mm-hmm. pay for car insurance and have a car that's yeah sure it's like, mm-hmm. i wonder how like because like I know Elon was already investing in having some kind of transit systems or whatever going on. The around. boring Hy- company, the Hyperloop. Yeah, yeah. Hyperloop. I imagine like that, that. In some sense, that might be the future. Like people don't want to have to deal with cars. In some sense, I would just love to be able to just walk out of my door and be able to just. I, have just, I don't think they can build enough tunnels to make that accessible everywhere. I think it's more like Uber, but with self-driving, and you can just okay. get it brought right to you and go, yeah. and not have to drive yourself. Yeah, but I the think, goal is like, yeah, not having to drive yourself. Yeah. That's like the big thing. I think that's where that would play out, at least yeah. initially. I think that would be the, the first time where you see a shift towards people not owning cars, like mm-hmm. all over the world, would be through like ride sharing yeah. with self-driving cars, in my opinion. Yeah, and hopefully like, if, if, cool, though. what's up, sorry? Hyperloop's gonna be cool though. What do you know I, about yeah. that? I don't know much. I just know that his, his like math shows that like, he he tends to exaggerate just a bit (laughs) yeah yeah definitely like he was just saying that like if there's some hyperloop systems if all goes well like you could honestly live in LA and commute to San Francisco that's fucking insane yeah but like yeah I don't know that's just kind of crazy like the government lets some people kind of go off like Elon just is like allowed to build a mile underground. Like if we yeah. wanted to go build yeah. a mile, like, oh, they go fuck dude. Yourself. They're even letting them run wild in China. Like they're giving them all kinds of tax incentives and stuff to go operate Tesla there. Yeah, and like they, China wants an dude, American businessman to come in, and they're giving him incentives. Dude, the, he, that's they, crazy. Like, let him build a gigafactory for free. Really? Yeah. Like it was it was insane. Like it, it cost him so much more to build it in Nevada, which is like a you don't have to pay like as many taxes as like say if you built it in California, but like. It's crazy. Insane in China. I wonder. I wonder how much of that, and it could be zero percent, but I wonder how much of that is so they can get the technology into China more and just like <laughs> let Chinese companies jack that intellectual property because that honestly could be a real reason, like at least part of the reason why that's going on. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that plays out. That's interesting. So that already ha- happened with Apple in China, I think. I think um, with Huawei. With Huawei, yeah, like they they would have people be paid by Huawei, and you should fact check this. I, I don't want to get the details wrong, but my understanding is people were paid by Huawei to work for Apple for as long as they could, get all the information they can, and then bring it over to Huawei, mm. which is crazy. And for anyone who doesn't know Huawei, including you, if you don't know, Huawei's yeah. the big. Chinese phone company, which actually now leads the world in smartphone sales, and they're really? they're the number one by far in China. But then it's like 
Apple, Samsung, Huawei are head to head in most of Europe. So they're big there too. And they, they overtook oh. Apple. Believe it or not, the ranking for smartphones is actually Huawei, Samsung, Apple. Oh, really? You would definitely think globally oh, Apple's in the lead. Yeah. That's in terms of units, not revenue. So it's like... Okay, I see. I, I think Apple does the most in just pure like yeah. sales in terms of money, you know, as okay, opposed to overall units. sales. Just not yeah, right. but in the smartphone. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they all, they all dabble in different industries and, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. You got a fact check for me there? <laughs> Huawei reward, rewards Apple <laughs> employee for tech theft. There you go. <laughs> That's lit. It's not lit. I know. It's, I was just messing around. It's pretty funny, though. They, uh, they have no reason to play by our rules. Yeah, they don't care. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Yeah, he stole tech from the Apple Watch. So what did he steal off from the watch? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because those like intellectual property rights. I imagine that gets even messier between countries. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, at some point, it's just like I wouldn't even know what to do. Like, I just imagine people on on two ends of the earth screaming at each other for who thought of what idea first. It's impossible. It's just at that point, I think it's just like okay, that's the extreme of intellectual property rights where you have to be like, all right, this is stupid. So, okay, so you, do you think intellectual property rights in general are... We talked about it a little bit earlier. If it were up to you, would they not exist? I don't know. I'm actually not... I go back and forth. Okay. I really do. So um, lay out just the full argument for why they shouldn't. Well, the full, the full argument why you shouldn't is because, um, like, ideas are... There is, there is not a limited amount of ideas. Like, if I think of an idea, I have not aggressed or trespassed or taken or stolen anything from you physically. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, people can uh, bring up ideas independently and it's just unnecessary. I mean, like you, you're going to the government to go, you know, say, Hey, they can't do that. So necessarily you're saying you're going to be using violence to defend your idea, your idea rights. I see where this is going. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, But of course that's a logical thing. So like, it's just, it's, it's in some sense ridiculous for people to be going, Hey, you stole this from me, but it was, it was just an idea. You know, there is no, there is no theft going on is the idea that somebody can own an idea and and when it when it comes to the actual technology behind it do you think like i'm just giving you a, like i don't the, know the which, argument on the one side okay yeah yeah, yeah like I so asked for. so like am i like yeah what's what becomes kind of ridiculous is it, it, the whole idea is basically someone saying i thought this idea and no one can use this idea i can i can for I can 20 bar years, everyone yeah. yeah 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 so i guess that's where some of it comes in like, okay yeah. you have it's it's ephemeral you know it's it's temporary um, you can't say okay this is mine and it's mine forever right so you right. know when you have when you have it temporary it allows that innovation to happen yeah without having people monopolize ideas and kind of didn't just prevent other people from even competing in the same industry. Right. Yeah, so, but at the same time, like if someone has like a very good baseline of an idea, um, you know, you want competition within it, you know? So that's, I guess that's why they're so narrow in the first place. Right, that helps a lot because like, Apple made the first iPhone and they had, I, mean, I, I don't want to throw a number out there, but they had so many patents like protecting their technology. And yet, there's so many similar phones out there that aren't violating patents and aren't having to pay royalties yeah. to Apple. So like, yeah, I don't know. As long as they're that narrow, yeah, like, that's a I, thing. It's just like we want to be able to inspire individual innovation without killing collective innovation because yeah, right. Because the problem becomes like, okay, well, they have the iPhone, then that's we're insane. using 
or preventing people from like competing in the same field, and that might be ridiculous when it could be causing further innovation, further competition. Okay, so listen to this. Only good for the consumer. Listen to this real quick. Apple alone has more than seventy-five thousand active patents and has filed for over twenty-two hundred since the beginning of twenty seventeen. Wow, that's fucking. I mean, it's more than that by now, one hundred percent. Yeah, what what's the date on that? It's got to be more. Oh, two thousand July second, two thousand (laughs) eighteen. You know what's interesting is this, this reminds me of like when people are trying to patent music, like patenting is that a music. Thing? Yeah, I, I believe so. Patenting music and among other things. I always like I never quite understood like what are the rules around sampling? Like, in case you don't know that concept, it's yeah, like I don't understand. That. A lot of times musicians will make a beat, but they'll like have something from another beat or another song on mm-hmm. loop to create the beat. Yeah. I was like I've I heard Kanye do that so many times. Oh yeah, Kanye's done that so much. There's um, you know the Easy E song where it's like uh, riding down the street in my. I don't. I don't even. Easy mm-hmm. does it like there's there's like a, it sounds like a little kid just like yelling at the beginning, and that song's like like the intro sampled in the Logic song. It's like such a random thing, and I'm um, under pressure. Like oh the, yeah. Wait, dude, Muhammad Ali. Like that's like. How, oh yeah, I am the greatest. Yeah. yeah, like does he like have patents over yes. his voices in that song? Right. Mm-hmm. So I always wonder how that works in music because I really have no idea. Yeah, I guess voices may be one thing, but I just I just imagine someone just like on their own drum set, drum drum set, and like their their own equipment, just recreating an existing like beat or even song. Yeah. Like literally recreating it from scratch and trying to sell it. And you and can get sued for that, right? Vanilla yeah. Ice paid a shit ton of money for that because he he copied a. a under pressure, by yeah. the by Beetle, queen. Or by the queen. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's it's, yeah, it's ice, ice baby. <laughs> Did yeah, really? So now people yeah, are like, yeah. So that, it's yeah. it's it's funny because now people are claiming to own like lines of words and music, or even just certain beats. Or I mean, it's it's funny to think people are literally trying to own vibrations on the air. It's crazy. Certain types of vibrations. That's in the air. crazy. And it's the same thing. I mean, think of it with like it, anything internet related. Like people own frequencies. You know, with the yeah. radio, people are owning. It's crazy. Like you, you can't. You cannot. You are. You are not allowed by the government to send certain types of frequencies. Use radio yeah. frequency 97 FM or whatever yeah, you call it. Yeah, it's literally yeah. a frequency. Like, you cannot. And, and because somebody owns it. Some, somebody out there owns that. It's theirs. Everyone else is barred from using it. And if they dare do otherwise, the government is going to come after you. And, you know, I, I can't tell if that's, you know, we can see some of its benefits. I mean, it would be hectic just, as hell if a bunch of people tried to use the same radio frequency, you know? I if see, anyone yeah. could just hop on 97 and every, you know, 100 feet of driving, you get something else. Or is it just a static chaos? That's true. Yeah. It's like, it's just like, there's these really weird things that go on that make yeah. logical sense because of how far, like, humanity's come yeah. technologically. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, we it's just... the sounds we make out of our mouth. Like, it's crazy. Like, we yeah. can't say some words, you know? Like, when we were cave people, it's like... Yeah, <laughs> utter nonsense. Yeah, I, I wonder, like, is it is it really the society itself that has enabled us to like be this like smarter, be this like our minds be this organized? Because people, you know, who are raised without you know society's helping hand, I suppose, can be totally like feral animals, you know, and be totally unable it's to true. learn to not be given these building blocks that you get in your basic education. I think there's been studies on like you know, kids who were, or maybe not studies, but just examples of like kids who had no socialization for like five years because of some awful circumstances. And then like 
Yeah, like you said, they're just kind of incapable of learning. Like something yeah. in their brain just didn't really develop. So that that is weird. Like how much our grants, our brains are like very malleable, and especially yeah, when we're young. About this. Yeah, we're yesterday. Very, and especially when we're very young, like. You know, I'd like to think that we've had these capacities from the beginning, but like, I mean, how much, I, I try to think how much have, has our brain evolved since like, you know, I don't know, a long time ago. Um, well, language is old. You know what's yeah. interesting? This isn't that related, but writing came about at first to like record transactions mm -hmm. monetarily, which is, I mean, that just kind of shows how deep rooted you know, trade and capitalism is within just the human yeah. mind, which is in itself a crazy topic. Yeah, I think it's, I likely started when people recognize like, what are the best ways of getting what I want? Either I can do it by force or through voluntary action. And like, well, it, se it, seems, it seems that one way you can gamble and lose everything or get everything, but in the other way you can be mutual, mutually beneficial. Mm -hmm. And so since then people are like, okay, trading seems to be a great way of accumulating wealth in a way that is mutualistic and then from there people are like okay how can we best make effective trade and then all of a sudden you have ways of standardizing labor and labor and property through currency you know right you know i this i mean what is currency you know you you get it and it's pretty much just it's it's like it's it's a claim that you you have done labor and you can you are owed labor because of what you have done. Like I have worked or goods for someone. or services, yeah. Yeah, yeah, goods or services, property, whatever. So you go around waving around your money and be like, I've done this much work, I can ask of anyone else this for essentially, you know, for for this. And then someone else can use it to ask someone else for that. So it's pretty much like a promise that like you are owed this as long as people respect the Federal Reserve and yeah. and the currency, you know. To an extent it's kinda of psychological because if people said like I don't believe in it. money yeah. I don't yeah. I don't think this dollar's worth anything. If that happened in enough places it's like it doesn't it's, work anymore. It's not tied to, <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's, it's, not told, it's not tied to the gold standard anymore. Like you it's know, just tied to people believing in it. Yeah, I mean Trump made started accusing Bitcoin of not being based on anything. It's it's funny to think that not only is the Federal Reserve based on nothing, it's it's, it's privately run. Just like <laughs> just like Bitcoin. So wait, the federal I did not know that the federally or the Federal Reserve was private. It's not a government structure. It's from what I, I, I might, think, I'm pretty sure it is, that, right? But I'm, I've actually heard it's. Private. I'm pretty sure it's government because they because the president appoints the reserve chair. Yeah, like Jerome Powell was appointed by Donald Trump. At the, yeah, I heard this. I, I heard this from someone. Oh, Jerome no. Powell isn't that his name? Okay, look it up. The All chairman of the Federal Reserve? I found this. The Federal Reserve banks are not part of the federal government, but they exist oh, but the, because yeah. of an act of Congress. So, but the is actual it private federal, or public? It's, it's both. It's, it's both. Yeah, that, it's, the, the centralized portion of it is government-run. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, is it wrong? That's, that's, is like the, we talked right, help me out then. Uh, George Bush. We talked really? earlier about um, when cryptocurrencies would become more and more successful, and that's when right. they're... They're legitimized by the government. Exactly. So that's, that's I don't I don't think Bitcoin can go anywhere just because right. the value is not tied to anything. The same reason it's so fun for people to invest in it is the same reason it doesn't have a chance of being actual currency, and that's right. the value. It's not a store of value. It but, bounces all fucking over. I mean, the place. that's like with any really currency, anyways. But the difference ah. being, like you know, the government doesn't technically recognize 
any of the cryptocurrencies as yeah. the, the legitimate. Right. Jerome Powell is our fucking. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Who's the? Sorry, what? The like the government doesn't necessarily recognize like cryptocurrencies as like necessarily legitimate. It's just is just a product of the market. The economy is totally aside from the yeah whatever, yeah whatever the politics is. But the Federal Reserve is. Oh, um, you know, oh, legitimized. It, it has, draws legitimacy from the government. You know, so yeah, that's where yeah. you know there's a big there's a big difference, and that's where you see it being both private and public. You know, it has ties to the government, even though it's not right. fully public. Yeah, we were saying this earlier. I just I don't see the current cryptos that are being invested out there. Like, I just don't feel like they're tied to anything. I don't feel yeah, like I don't feel like they could ever be standardized enough to where they could be a real store of value and actually act as an actual currency. Whereas if you get blockchain involved with like the government and then use blockchain to move around American dollars or whatever crypto the government or a big bank wants to make, that's when it would become legitimized and actually, you know, yeah. have value. Whereas like, I don't know, I I'm I'm not gonna say where Bitcoin's gonna go or things like that because I really don't know. But like, yeah. Yeah, I think it's access blockchain or is that just unaccessible? Unaccessible. You're asking What's the wrong point people, of blockchain? man. Like I know it's like it keeps... I can. I watched a couple videos on the technology and I can do my best to explain it. I don't know it that well. I don't even know if I want to go there. Yeah. yeah. I, I recommend we should all watch videos and come back and like yeah. and pile together and try to really understand it because like. Torres knows a lot about it. Does I talked it? to him and he just it was like, oh yeah, well it's just like this chain of receipts that's like kept, which yeah. like no one can access. So here's here's why it's so secure in theory, right? But what's the point of it if no one can access it? Yeah. Well, no one can no one can go back and change it. So it's like secure. So a transaction happens, right? Okay. And it's a thirty-three dollar transaction between me and Armand, okay. right? And when it's done, nobody can go back and change the details of it. The payment's been made. It's secure. There's proof of the payment and no one can alter it. And it happens instantaneously. Like that's the key thing is like the money goes from me to you instantly. Whereas moving money through banks, like, you know, sometimes it can take days or weeks. Like it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Particularly when you're going across countries, yeah. you can, you can move through, you can transfer money across countries through crypto and blockchain instantaneously with no fees or like yeah. small fees as opposed to trying to move it through banks across countries, which is just a crazy process. Mm. So, but it, the whole mining thing, and I'm, again, I'm gonna explain this as well as I can with the limited knowledge I have, but yeah. like mining crypto is basically the process of a block. Let's go backwards a little bit. Every time a transaction happens, it's a block in the blockchain, right? Yeah. So there's block one and it's completed and there's some code that needs to be entered to close the block. And that's what a miner does, right? They, they enter in the code to finish the block and then that block is completed. The miner gets, the person mining the, the crypto gets the crypto as their reward or their yeah. payment for their service. And now another transaction happens and that block is tied to block one, right? And then another transaction happens and block three is tied to block two is tied to block one. Yeah. And then another one happens and another one happens. And basically like if you're on the 10th block and you want to alter the 10th, it changes the code that attached the 10th to the 9th. So then you have to alter the 9th too, which changes the code attached to the 8th block. So then you have to alter the 8th block as well. Okay. And basically like when there's this full chain, it's just like 
it just can't be tampered with. Yeah. So it's supposed to be this system of moving money that's both instantaneous so and this, extremely that's how, secure. That's how crypto, like how people get crypto is by literally working, regu- like kind of regulating it in itself in some way. Yeah, it's that's like a self-regulation. Like that's why, yeah. that's why you could subvert the government and make transactions was because there was this system in place to make it so secure. Okay, I see. And that's about the full extent of my knowledge on how blockchain works. Yeah, I always, that's I always, everything I got. I always thought to myself, like, how do people mine Bitcoin? Like, yeah. What does that mean? Like, it's like, it's actually... going out with a pickaxe and slamming it on the ground? <laughs> yeah, like some Minecraft. Yeah, yeah. computer. Yeah, no, it's like, they're like providing a yeah, service for the people yeah, who created okay. the crypto. That makes more sense. Or less so like, okay, like we're paying right. people. We're giving you... Uh, we're giving you fragments of our currency if you help us out. Right. And, okay... And then I wonder, so there's still, people are still getting crypto for doing that. I imagine probably it's like yeah. well. significantly I, less. I, I talked to like, there's Bitcoin so much competition. Is, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's and so plus like, isn't yeah. Bitcoin like one coin is worth like. It's over 10,000 right now. I was about right? to say, I didn't want to like, like 17. I didn't want to sound stupid, but like no. over thousands of dollars. No, it's not 17. All right. Crypto. Like, we want to look at Bitcoin. I swear it's like 10 or 11. I'm going to fact check. Maybe yeah, you might be right. I could be totally off. Like can I do this without stopping the podcast? No, yes, I, I can. You, I got, I got, I okay, okay. Um, I got you, but... But yeah, anyway, like... It seems yeah, like a dangerous place to invest your 10, money to me. 10,320. Okay, I wasn't even I close. mean, of course, it's, it's all imaginary, and people... I mean, the only reason you'd use it is... Okay, like... I mean, you can just... If you want to buy something and purchase it with just using... You know, U- U.S. dollars. You know, whether it's online or whatever. The only niche or unique utility, I guess, a lot of these cryptocurrencies have is being able to, like, again, subvert the regulation right. of the government. And then you could buy it and then just within. go, yeah, go into <laughs> get into illegal markets, which again, its utility is waning, considering like I don't know, the government is pretty fucking big, and you don't want to fuck with the government. Yeah, the government could shut shut right. it down. So, at least the transaction portion of it, and then what what's Bitcoin left? Right. Like? So like going into like, but I don't know. I'm like I'm not an expert here. Right. So like but. I mean, if people are going into. I, from the limited knowledge I know, people who get involved with Bitcoin to like because it somehow is better for them to be using that using Bitcoin as a medium of doing transaction for whatever, whether it is you know illegal stuff or however else do they find some utility in using that over, um, you know something that's regulated through the government. Aside from that, people a lot of people getting involved within it for being able to make money off of it are just greedy people being greedy like. Being greedy when others are greedy, you know, yeah, and that's yep, just, yep. I don't see that as being a very successful strategy. Yeah, well, when that when the hype builds up and now there's people yeah. investing in it because of the hype and not because of the actual value yeah, of it, yeah. that's that's how bubbles yeah, form and yeah. over time that could pop. Well, it did and burst for Bitcoin. It, it, was did, it was at 17 at one point, no, right? It was at 22,000 and it dropped to like six. Damn. Like, wow. dude, I, I know people who lost a lot of money. Yeah, and it's like, like, dude, like, I feel like, it's like, dude, like, if random people who aren't that smart are coming up to you and telling you how they're making money in Bitcoin. It's only a matter of time for that. Yeah, it's like it's like in that in the big short movie where they go and they meet the stripper and she's like, I bought three houses. Like I I just got a bunch of mortgages. She's like she's like, I have seven houses. Seven houses and they're like short the whole fucking thing. It's all it's all coming down. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great thought everyone was gonna pay for their uh, everyone was gonna pay for their mortgages. Yeah, dude, I was trying to find that movie again. I couldn't find it anywhere. I downloaded it illegally. You do? Do you have it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, well... Dude, I mean, if it's that good of a movie, like, I'm not gonna... I tried to find it, yeah, online, yeah, like, 
Like, dude, all the old, like, one, two, three movies and shit. Office, yeah. Okay. I keep bought, bought it, it Bitcoin's probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but let's, let's watch it. I want to see it yeah, again. Dude, that's top five, one of my favorites. Dude, because it's, it's, like, such a relevant subject, but it's also fucking hilarious, dude, it just shows bro. how dumb and greedy people are, I think. Yeah, well, and it shows that the system... It's just naturally so gonna build up and topple repeatedly. Yeah. The same cycle is just gonna keep. And it's gonna keep getting greedier and yeah. greedier and greedier, and then it's gonna fall. Yeah. And then it's just gonna come back. I've I, heard an interesting thing where people were like, "Okay, recession is the problem, but like, it's actually the solution." It's the solution. It's, it's the, the, it's the antidote to the ailment. Yeah, yeah, because people good, are. Yeah. It's like I I heard this very good analogy is like people think the the problem of you know being addicted to drugs is the kind of like the lows you get afterwards but the problem is getting those highs in the first place or having taken those drugs in the first or place wanting you know? to get the high in the first place yeah yeah, yeah. um it's a pretty good analogy for that Recession because it's, it's just fake, fake highs i guess i mean you know not that i'm against uh, you know take whatever drugs you want but you know there is some <laughs> i guess you get. <laughs> i don't agree with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. but like I, I the point is like you have these artificial highs that happen and then all of a sudden it crashes back into reality right and you're right. like well shit that's what is a good analogy yeah so yeah there's that have you seen The Big Short, by the way? I have not. Okay. You should watch it. You should watch it. Okay. Dude, it's, Big it's Short? a good movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, Is apparently we the, can't how, find like, anymore. the recession following yeah. the The 2008. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Dude, but like, it's really well done. Like, you can really understand what was going on because they, they take the time to give you examples to explain it. <laughs> like, there's one scene where they went, they cut scene to explain it. And I think it was like Margot Robbie yeah, in, in, a a bath, in a bubble <laughs> bath explaining like She's explaining, CDOs or yeah, something. She's like, like some... When you when you hear no, she was explaining like subprime. She's like when you see when you hear subprime, just think shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's good stuff. And yeah, the, dude, there's Selena just some Gomez, hilarious like, scenes. Is this she in, like tranches? <laughs> with she's like sitting next to like the the head economics professor at the University of Chicago. Yeah, and she's like, so what he's saying is, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just funny. I'm like, I'm curious, like, what if so, like the people who had all those houses then, what if they just held on to them now? What do you mean? Like, am I making? Any As in, okay, so if you before the recession or after it? Like after it. So like, if you bought the houses after the recession. No, no, no before, or, before, like, like before, and then you just kind of did nothing with them. That's kind of, probably what you should have done. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, like, you shouldn't have sold at the bottom. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because dude, yeah. they hit rock bottom, and the problem is people are trying to unload their houses, and no one is buying it, and so they had no, like, a lot of people are getting laid off, and like. We if you have no money to yeah. pay the bills, then I was about to say like Warren Buffett, Buffett again. Like you, people, all of the people trying to sell their houses. Some dudes probably, I'll buy that one. Oh, dude, I'll Buffett bought like a motherfucker <laughs> after the crash. You could see, yeah. you could see how it played out in the stock market. Like from before the recession yeah. to like even after the crash and back up out of it, it's way up from before still. Yeah, like that's why if you're if you're I love stocks. You love houses. We can both speak both. on that. You love both. Yeah. I, love I believe you buy a good company, like a good enough company with good leadership that's doing something really important. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter when you buy them and it doesn't matter if they go down at first. Like if you yeah. hold long enough and you were actually right about a company being good, it's going to come up. Like yeah. even if you buy right before the biggest crash of all time, yeah, it's eventually going to come back up. Yeah. Yeah. For That's sure. why the stock market. Yeah, yeah it's hard to see. Down. You only see like slightly the slices of it. I you guess you get so. too zoomed in of a view. Yeah. But if you zoom out far enough on the stock market and the housing market and really just everything about the it's U.S. Insane. economy, if you zoom far enough out, it just looks like it went up the entire time because yeah, it's tied to a line. product. 
right? I mean, I'd imagine. What do you mean? I, I mean, like, I, Bitcoin is totally imaginary. Like, I, I couldn't oh, imagine yeah. it always going up. But I mean, at the it's end of the day, because like, it's tied to service. American business. Yeah. That's it's, why. It's, it's tied to some service or product that, at the very minimum, it will have some value. Every and, business that comes through the United States and wants capital from United States people yeah. is represented in the stock market. Yeah. And that's why it's like, a, it's like if you just invest in the S&P 500, it's just this diversified stream of goods and services. And guess mm -hmm. what? You, you know this well, goods and services aren't going anywhere. And as a whole, they're only growing. Yeah. Like yeah. if you don't know what to do with your money, this is funny. So I, I have a friend Oh, who yeah. I told you about this. He works at Northwestern Mutual as an intern and like he That's got me on a phone great. call with this guy and he was like, you know, I'll give you a 5% return if you invest in this annuity, but you have to keep it in there until you're like age 62 or whatever the case, like mm -hmm. whatever. If you just put your money in the S&P 500 and you have the balls to hold it when it goes down, because inevitably at some point mm -hmm. in time it will, and then you're willing to hold it when it comes back up, in the long run, you're gonna make more than 5%. History yeah. shows it. Mm -hmm. Like, we came out of the Great Depression, two world wars, and the massive 2008 housing crisis. And the Great Depression. And it, yeah, and the Great Depression. And I think, first of all, since the housing crisis, we're like 300% gains on the stock market in 10 years. Right. And in history, the average rate of return on the stock, on the stock market, speaking about the S&P 500, on the S&P 500 is over 9%. Through all that bullshit. So if you can just think about that, if you can deal with the volatility and you don't need to pull out your money anytime yeah. soon, mm -hmm. just putting your money in the S&P 500 and sitting is probably the smartest thing you could do if you know nothing about investing other than what I just said. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I feel. Because you're what? You're getting out of the whole imaginary. I mean, you're just you're, you're tying it to money. an you're asset. Tying it to an asset. Yeah, exactly. Or a set of assets or yeah. a set of services. So you're not dealing with inflation and if anything you're going the uh, the other way because you have a steady its value is just somewhat steadily going up rather than somewhat steadily going down. Right. And the other thing is too, it's it's all tax deferred as well, which is something you don't think about. Oh, this yeah. guy was telling me the benefits of it being tax deferred, right? Meaning that so to explain, you might get this concept and you might not already, but I'm gonna explain it anyway. So if you have $1,000 and you get a 9% return on a year, right? Now you have $1,090, I think, right? And now the next year, you get 9% on 1,090. So it compounds. So each year, your base amount of money is a little higher, so you make interest on a higher amount of money. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the benefit of being tax deferred is that that can keep playing out and end up slowly growing exponentially, right? So if you put your money in the stock market and you leave it there, it's actually tax deferred because you only get taxed on gains when you accept the gains, right? Oh, so it's not until you pull your money out that you get taxed. Mm -hmm. So you get the same tax deferral that would come from investing in an annuity, Jeez. right? Or whatever. I mean, so yeah. anyway. I mean, even like if you invest in the Dow Jones, like the Dow yeah. Jones in sure. 1950 was when like around when Warren Buffett bought. It was on $235. Huh. Now it's at 27000 So like... Yeah. I mean like 60 years to go up. Mm -hmm. What is that? 10x? Or 100x? 10x. Wait, Ooh, give me the numbers one more time. 235. It went from 235? To 2019 where it's $27,000. That's over 100x. Yeah. Well, I mean think about how big yeah. companies got. Oh, yeah. I know. But think about that, in, in 60 years to go 100X on your money, 
you it's invest the American economy. Like, yeah, you're, just, yeah, you're investing. Great. You're investing. If you put money in a large index fund, you're not investing in companies. You're investing in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Like, if you believe that's a good investment, then hold through the bullshit and hold back out, and you're in good shape. That's, yeah. that's my two cents. Rest on, and the recessions are just so important. Yeah, like if you know nothing about the market and you just you just go balls in when everything's down, you're gonna make a lot of fucking money. Yeah, like yeah. I believe that. If you know a lot about the market and you do that, I think you're in really good yeah. shape. Which is what I for the recession. I, I mean, exactly. I'd, I'd, I'd like to have some, I'd like to have some real <laughs> money first, but uh, I would, I would, dude, if I, yeah, I'd love to have a lot more money, but yeah, I feel like eventually these are gonna these um, these cycles might get less and less as people understand like. Okay, I mean, I don't believe it's. it's I, I mean, people it's are people are people are stupid. You want? They're also retrospective and you want to hear greedy. something? Okay. So, we have more debt in corporations as a ratio compared to profits than oh, yeah. ever before That's in the scary. entirety of human uh, of U.S. history. Mm-hmm. So we haven't learned not to over leverage. Student loans are higher than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. We're going. People are going wild on buying houses again too. Dude. The amount With of the interest rates like being a, low? Yeah, the amount of debt from a personal corporation and governmental standpoint. Is yeah, the U.S. government debt is super high. We Our economy is so over-leveraged right now, and leverage meaning like using debt to, to gain assets or money. It's so fucking over-leveraged that, I, dude, I, yeah. think, I think the next collapse could be worse than 08. I, I think the thing is, I think the, the, the ups and downs might be, might be like bigger and, and longer. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I think the, the dips will be more drastic, but the ups will be even better. So. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's just, you just have to remember it's a cycle. And it is throughout the, throughout the course. Mm-hmm. Like, like in no way, the, the amount it dropped would have been devastating to, like, the economy in, like, the 30s I guess 40s. it's a question of, like, whether or not yeah. people will learn. I mean, I mean, if people are going into, like, I mean, it's not like it's people... Greed, man. Greed's I know, not but going people, anywhere. I, everyone, I know, but, like, everyone who wants to get invested into stocks are going to be reading, like... Warren Buffett, right? There's no way. Dude, no. I don't think so. Okay. Do you think so? Right now? Yeah, like, not, I, not necessarily I don't right either. now, but I'm saying, like, eventually. Like, there's no way. I don't know. Because I mean, he, someone... he said that in one of his things was like, why would I be telling people this if this is the case? And it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, some people just don't take the time. They think they can do things before they actually learn how to do it. Okay. Like, I think if you. No, I mean, I, I really don't know, but I mean, if, I don't, it's, I mean, if it's really the case, then yeah, it's going to keep happening. I just and but it's not just investing in stocks. It's just like, in general, I think the biggest thing is leverage. Oh, you know, what? my dad was telling me this. He was saying, I wish I understood it better. He he was saying, but basically he was saying that the banks were giving loans out, right? Okay. And then they sell the loans to Freddie Mac and Freddie Mac, or Freddie Mac, however the fuck you say. Well, one of them doesn't exist. Freddie. Which everyone still exists. One of them doesn't exist. I've kind okay. of forgot. Whatever, but a, a lot, a lot of the loans. Yeah, I know that's the problem. A lot of the loans are being sold to this business, and then, but the problem is they're backed by the government. So if the bank doesn't care what loans they give out, oh, and then the next player buying them also doesn't care about the loans because they're government backed, then what is the incentive for banks not to give a loan to literally anyone who applies? Well, that's why IMG collapsed. What is IMG? IMG. Is that from 2008? Yeah. So it's, yeah, that's what I'm, all I'm saying is I think 2008 so you're play out again. It's because like, it's creating a moral hazard because the responsibility is put on someone else. They it's have no it's reason. not a moral hazard. It's just the fact that nobody's being forced to take responsibility yeah. and therefore no one will and it's just going to be chaos. I think that's chaos. Called, it's called the moral like, the, the okay, wording sounds, the wording is deceiving but it's called the moral hazard. Okay. I think. 
when like you have no reason to like be in any way prudent about like or have any savvy with what you right. do with this current thing because responsibility is going to fall on someone else right yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah. yeah 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 it's just like the insurance on the debt that's what, what IMG yeah. was Okay, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, they got crushed when all the debt got well, defaulted like, on. They had to pay out the yeah. insurance. They didn't have they yeah. didn't have enough fucking money. Okay, yeah. No, no, no. This is familiar, actually. Too. This is yeah. familiar, actually. Yeah. That's it, because the banks were like, well, we have IMG. We have insurance on our debt. So, mm. like, why not take as much debt as possible? This company's got our backs. So we'll uh, pay them the premiums. And yeah. everyone went down. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> like, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> we owe every single bank billions of dollars were fucked <laughs> yeah. but yeah. how much how much fucking money did they make on the way up and the people and here's the crazy thing collapsed in like two days <laughs> I know but all the CEOs didn't lose their paychecks that they made in the past they all the CEOs of these oh, companies no, they that got fucked money, yeah. still made a ton of money yeah. and the people who paid were the taxpayers who had to bail out the I imagine the, the people who played the who played by the rules and were like got all that money and then dipped out of those insurance companies like or the, the ones but who even, were operating. I'm saying the CEOs who know stuff was gonna hit the fucking. Yeah. I know they probably. I know like, like, they, in, like but the, the couple few that for whatever reason fuck. decided to, they're probably yeah. living at large right now. Like, Dude, oh, but even, all yeah. even the people who are responsible for the collapse still have the money they made on the way up. Yeah. The shareholders got fucked. Mm-hmm. At least for the public companies, the owners didn't get fucked. Or the people who sold the stock, or the people who are getting paid to run the company. They didn't lose anything. It was the common people who owned the shares or the common yeah. people who had to pay back the taxes. Like that's why the whole thing's so fucked. Yeah. Is the people at the top were like, well, this sucks. My company's gone, but hey, I'm worth a hundred fucking million dollars or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's insanity. This remind, like this, this insurance reminds me of like, I had this conversation with um, my boss actually. We were talking about stocks and he talked about insurance for like in stocks itself, like buying insurance, like Buying and selling them, there's insurance in that you can oh, do. Man. Have you heard of that? What no. Do you think, well, what, have you, what do you think about it? Dude, if you think you need insurance on your stocks, don't fucking invest in the stock market. That's what I think of that. <laughs> okay. Right? Do you agree? That's, well, I mean, if you're buying a stock, like, well, it's going to do well. But why would you pay, like, extra money? Like, yeah, so... You might as well just, like, head, like put a hold, like, like just head if, your best. If you're bit. not confident, first of all... If you're not confident in the stock you're investing in, don't invest in it. Invest in the S and P 500. Well, I mean, it's, and not if about, you're not, it's not about confidence. Like there are there are hidden variables all the time. Like why do people are. buy? Why do people buy car insurance? So buy buy buy. Here's the thing. A here's the two strategies that I personally recommend, and okay. you should not get insurance. Oh, I'm not. I'm just. I'm just bringing it up. Well, I know. I know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. You asked me my opinion. Yeah, this is okay, what. This yeah. is how I feel about it. I'm, I'm glad if, you brought it up, though. Like, I do. I this is a really good point. Yeah. Buy 10 to 15 companies that you really believe in. You understand what's going on in the company. Mm-hmm. You have hands-on experience with their product or service, and you believe in their leadership. Yeah. Buy them. Expect them at some point to go down, particularly when the market go to, goes down, but also when the company has rough patches. Mm-hmm. And just understand that, all right, one or two of them might get hammered, but I believe in this set of companies. I'm going to hold them through everything. Yeah. And hopefully 10 years down the line, which is the time scale I think you need to have 10 to 20 years to invest in the stock market, at that point in time, you have a net gain. So you, that's you're, option A. Um, so you're shotgunning it and then going long term. Yeah, okay, exactly. Okay. But then option B is like, okay, if I don't feel strongly enough in myself to pick the companies I think will succeed, which like, that's a really humble and respectable opinion to have. Like, I I think I can pick companies. I could be fucking wrong. Like, you might be better off being more humble about this, and I would respect that. Mm-hmm. Invest in the S and P five hundred and bet on the American economy. And if you believe in the long term in the American economy, you should never get nervous about that. There's going to be downs. There's going to be ups. 
Yeah. But in the long run, it goes up. What do you think about? And if you don't have faith in either of those two options, then don't buy stocks. But there's no need for insurance, in my opinion. Just you, if you think you need it, stay out of the stock market. What do you think about giving the money yeah? to some? What do you think about giving the money to like a middleman and him investing for you? Oh, you I hate it. Okay. Because here's why. Okay. One. Well, See, one, there's the pure numbers of it. Historically speaking, 99.5% of middlemen who invest your money in the stock market produce lower returns than the S&P 500. Oh, so right so off the bat, right you're, off better the off. bat you just, you're better off on your own. But okay. here's the second thing, right? People year to year don't want to lose money, right? Like my approach, my belief in what you need to do with the stock market is invest for 10 to 20 years and expect that like maybe 30% of those years you get fucking hammered and lose a lot of money, but you come out stronger at the end, right? But the middlemen, in order to gain the confidence from the consumer for you to keep using their service, they need to target lower returns and try to make it more stable. So instead of a, a, a 9 to 12% long run return where there's a lot of volatility, they'll try to get you like 3% but keep it the same every year. So and then on top of that, you have to get a fee. Mark. They're not going for volatile market. I mean, it depends on where you're investing, but like the, the traditional money management firms, mm. right? They're, they're looking for stable returns for people. Yeah. And, and for generally, every they make, they take a piece of it. Yeah, and they and they're taking fees off of everything they do. So in right. general, it's like, if you if here's the thing, it's this simple to me. If you believe in the American economy and you don't believe in your ability to select stocks, personally, invest in a big index fund, whether that's the Dow Jones, whether that's S and P five hundred, whatever. Put your money there and don't fucking look at it for ten to twenty years. Buy a treasury bill. I don't know. What is it, like take like two percent? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, two dude, percent. I'd rather have a volatile nine percent than a stable two percent. Personally, in the seventies, the the treasury bills were at like sixteen percent. I know that's insane. Yeah, I mean that that would be such a There'd logical be no investment point to then. Invest in the stock market. Yeah, the stock market would be an awful investment when you can get a free sixteen. That's mm-hmm. stable. Yeah. Anyway, that's my thought on the insurance. Like, yeah, if right. you if you want insurance on the stock market, then don't go in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's a strong opinion. Did I, was that, where did no, that question come from? I'm just wondering. Oh, I just, I was talking about it with my boss. He just brought it up. Options, okay. Just okay. Options in regards to stuff. I think they said the Oh, options? options? Yeah, it's literally called options. Actually. Oh, okay. That's, that's a different game. That's if you want to gamble on the short term where stocks are going. In general, yeah, that's, a, I thought you meant like insurance options. firms, like protecting your investment. Options are different. Options are like, Granted, I, I really don't know much about So that. I'm going to explain options the best I can. So you put down a certain amount of money today, right? Yeah. So let's say I want to put um, a put option on a company. Mm. Tell me if I have this backwards, by the way. Sorry. So a put option is the ability to buy a company at a future date for today's price. Yes. So you could put a put option down on a company and have a year time span. And then, so let's say it's at $400 and it goes up to 600. So now at that later date, you can buy up as many shares as you have puts of the company for $400 and resell for 600. So it's like, so what some people will do, and obviously a call option is the opposite. You can sell at a future price at a later date. So if a company's at 400, it goes down to 200. At a later date, you can buy for 200 and sell for 400. Okay, Okay, does that all make sense? So what, what could happen is you can invest this, this is more of a short-term thing. Mm-hmm. If you invest in a company and you plan to stay in that company for two years, mm-hmm. right? you could take an option where you're betting on it to go down to hedge your bets. So like if, you, if you're wrong about it going up, 
now you have a play on if it went down, right? Mm -hmm. But it only works in the short term because if you want like a 10-year option, it's so expensive. It just has no chance of paying. It's It's like if you buy a stock at like 40 and you think it's going to go up in the short term, but just in case shit starts going down, you put a put in so that at like 35, it automatically sells your stock. So like, oh, so like, it, like it breaks your losses. I'm not a short-term investor. I know some people are successful with it. From what I've read, it seems like more people aren't. Like long-term's the more... So options are successful for short-term if you plan to do short-term. They can be successful for short-term. It's also a really good way to lose a lot of money if you're not but really you are, good you at said, it. You've already said like the money is made in the long-term already. So it's like a winning... It's kind of a winning strategy for a loser, losing strategy. Yeah, it's like the probability of being successful in the short-term is lower because... You don't have the force of the U.S. economy working in your favor necessarily. You're yeah. just betting. But if you're really good at the betting, you can make money that way. Mm. An interesting thing. Fuck, what was this guy's name? The guy who invented counting cards. Do you remember? Oh, Edward Thorpe. Edward Thorpe. His approach to short-term option trading is actually a long-term approach. It's like mm. things that he knows a lot about. He makes steady bets, but he doesn't go like shit tons of money into individual bets. And he makes a bunch of like low risk medium return gambles on the short term mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't even call them gambles this dude knows what the fuck he's doing mm-hmm. and he just keeps on putting them on top of each other and building it up and I think he's the most successful short term trader that I know of but I think the success stories of people who became billionaire billionaires in the stock market with the long term strategy have got to outweigh people who do it in the short term at least 15 to 1 wouldn't you say yeah the way you have to think about it is there's growth investing and value investing and growth investing is pretty much in the short term and I think like, I don't agree yeah, with that 100% that's what it is I don't agree with that because okay no, I, like I, that's, that's what it's called though like no, 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 no. Growth investing can be long term too. Like if you, because like I'm in Shopify. Shopify is a growth investment. They have no profit. I'm in Shopify, but I, but I plan to hold them long term. Definition though. No, look up the definition. I would, I would bet. I could be wrong. I would bet you're wrong. Okay. Because like I've read like. I don't. I don't really believe in growth versus value. Like a company that's growing really fast and hasn't made money yet can still be a value play. Mm-hmm. You know, like if what you think their future profits are gonna be are higher than what they cost today. Like the present value of their future profits is higher than the cost of the company today. And that's like a quote growth investment. Then really it's a good value. You know, you follow, you follow that Lee. Yeah. So like, I don't, I think when we try to differentiate them, it's just like a technicality. Like I don't really believe they're necessarily different. Like if you think a a company's good because it's growing fast, it's because the speed of the growth is outpacing the current price of the company and therefore it's a good value. Mm-hmm. I think I follow. I'm not too versed on this stuff, okay, to okay. be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Maybe I think I might need to read more on it. I can get you some good books for yeah. sure. I would, I would have to look. Through, I have a list of everything I've read. You could read books about Warren Buffett. He hasn't written that many books himself, but you could also listen to him speak. And then Peter Lynch wrote a really good book. One that's like, pretty far into like how I think today and it's like how to beat the market with what you already know and it's basically just like live your life and things that you notice are big take the time to like understand like okay like for example I use Spotify I like the app a lot I was like okay so I like this app it's in my everyday life I know a lot about what they're doing Mm -hmm. and then I go back and I do the research behind it like what are the numbers what are the financials how much debt do they have how fast are they growing 
how profitable are they or when can they be profitable? Like, where are they moving with their business? What are they acquiring? What's their long-term strategy? Who's their CEO? Like, what's his mindset? Like, all, all the other shit. And then based off of that, you make the investment. But like, the initial thought to invest in something is just based off something how you- already invested in? Like, yeah, something like, you already like understand you, really well okay, firsthand, basically. Or a trend you see around you. Yeah, I, which I naturally like comes around things you, right. I guess, like. Or yeah surround yourself with like i'll be know. i'll be just doing something and go oh shit like that could be an interesting company to invest in yeah. like when you were talking about um grand theft auto and how well we never came back to that i want to come back to that right you talk yeah. about what gta does really before well. we do that i need to do yeah. question real quick okay we're we're almost out of time here actually i'm gonna pause this we thing save that for another time if we need yeah it.